Oh my goodness me, it's transcribing what I'm saying as we go. <laughs> We're back again. I'm Andy. And I'm Rod. And this week, what are we talking about this week, Rod? This week, we're continuing our discussion on assessment and we wanted to talk about assessment criteria. Oh, that's a big subject, isn't it? It is a big subject. So what we wanted to do, we wanted to talk a bit about why we use them from a faculty, a staff point of view. But also how you as students can make use of them. And again, we're coming from the the undergraduate angle and we're coming from the postgraduate angle. And luckily, the advice we would give would be the same for all of you. Because all that's going to change between undergraduate and postgraduate is you've got different standards to meet. But we'll talk a bit more about how those are encompassed in in marking criteria um, as we go. So are assessment criteria different from marking schemes? I think that's probably the first question that everyone is going to ask. Um, Yes, yes, they are. Um, A marking scheme says you will get a particular number of marks for this particular answer. So for um, an exam, for example, we will use a marking scheme and it will be go away and write me an essay on uh, feminism in healthcare. And we would have on the marking scheme a number of points and we would award one mark for each of those points you hit. Um, Assessment criteria is not as prescriptive of that as that. An assessment criteria is a loose, loose loose-er. I should say it's not a particularly loose thing, but it's a looser framework of standards rather than specific points. So so would it be fair to say that an assessment criteria is synonymous with a learning outcome? It's just in a different theatre? Yes. So what you will you will find when you sit down and, and do an assessment and marking criteria um as something we would use for coursework and big pieces of written work. We wouldn't use them for a timed exam. Um, yes, so what Andy said is, is spot on. So you would use a, a marking criteria to... Assessment criteria. Assessment criteria, sorry, I've been using marking. If I look for the word criteria, if I say the word criteria, that's what I'm, ta- I'm talking about, the right sort of thing. But as you can see, this is the sort of it's a terminology issue that confuses staff if we're not mm. thinking about it as well. So it's no wonder that students struggle with this. So so hopefully um, 
we'll get useful. So when we're talking about the the criteria, let's take out the first bit. Yeah, um, let's make it easy. When we're talking about the criteria, all we've done, we've said, here are our learning outcomes, and this is how we would expect those learning outcomes to be demonstrated in this particular piece of work. So, brief example, um, a learning a learning outcome could be by the end of this module or unit, we we expect a student to be able to critically analyze the literature. So in your criteria, you would have a criterion for critical analysis. And what the criterion would then give you is a number of different levels for that criterion. And those levels would be associated with a range of marks. So, for example, there would be a 40 to 49 range, a 50 to 59 range and so on and so forth. And, and like Andy says, it's a way of, of turning those learning outcomes, which are what we what we would like you to be at the end of a, a, a piece of a piece of teaching into something we can measure you measure you against and which you can measure yourselves against as well. So presumably this then feeds into um, the feedback as well, because we when we're giving feedback, we're looking at how someone has performed, how how they've they've done on a particular assessment. And it, it's how how could you change from this level of mark or this level of performance to the next level up, the level above that. So we're then going to use the, the criteria to inform the extra that would have to be done to have achieved that level. Yeah, and and that's why we keep it as this this framework where you can see all the criteria in front of you, because it's it's a it's a very effective tool for feedback. Because not only can we give feedback and couch it in terms of, you know, to this is where you hit our at this this particular criteria and why you can say to get to the next one we need you to go for a deeper level of critical analysis or write in a more academic way or write or even something as make fewer spelling errors and, and things like that could come into a criteria. So, so how, say for argument's sake, say we had a, an assessment criteria on a, a submitted piece of work. So something that, that involved some writing. How much would the assessment criteria be a framework for someone's writing? How much would you expect someone to refer back to that as they were progressing through that that piece of work to submit. That's a fine line to walk because what you can do is you can certainly write a piece of assessment to address the learning criteria and aim to, to meet the learning criteria at a, a given standard. See, I'm putting, I put learning in front of it now just <laughs> I will reiterate public service announcement look for me using the word criteria ignore the word I put in front of it ignore. see if we have this problems it's no wonder other people have problems exactly. with it, is it because at the end of the day we are geeks we are absolute geeks and uh, uh, and that is our geek criteria see you can ignore the first bit it's fine I'm just a criteria um uh where was I? Yes. So you so can we, you can write a piece of work to the criteria and to an extent you have to. What I would suggest you do. Is you write the work. And then review it using those criteria. 
So don't write it to that work in the first instance and then review it in relation to those criteria for your next draft or your next drafts. The reason I'm saying this is because if you write purely to that criteria without thinking about the assessment as a whole and what the assessment is asking you, it gets really disjointed. And it could be written really, really well. And you might have done a superb critical analysis of, of each paper within it, but they don't sit together. Because all you've done is looked at it and said, I need to be able to critically analyze all these papers. So you're so focused in on that one, you might lose sight of other aspects like making it a coherent piece of work, which yeah. again in itself could be one of those criteria. And I, I think that answers some of the the subtext of what that question was. And it, it's a little bit does referring to the the assessment criteria too much, does it encourage mark chasing behaviour at the the risk of it being less good work? Yeah, it it, it does. And and we we appreciate fully you guys want to do well and you want to get the yeah. best marks um, you can um, for a piece of work. And as we, we discussed we in the previous podcast, we are yeah. aware of the pressures of assessments and the the fact that they are assessed to levels and that you want to accrue marks. We we we're not naive enough to ignore that. Um, what we see a lot, and these these sorts of papers do stick out, are the mark chasing type papers where for all the best will in the world because you've got you've got the stress you want to do as well as you can we we we, we get this that you write a piece of work that you think is going to get you the top marks but you're taking a bottom-up approach you're focusing on the little bits and putting it all together into a whole rather than thinking what do i want the whole thing to look like and then focusing down on the little bits and as a result it gets very very disjointed and it doesn't make a, make a lot of sense. So the most effective, notice I'm not saying best, most effective assessments or the most effective answers to assessment tasks are the ones that balance a coherent piece of written work against meeting those mark those those learning outcomes via the criteria. Uh, again, because we do like a spoiler alert, I, I'm going to say that we are recording this on the 16th of December because I was just going to use a Christmas tree analogy. Mm. And my, my Christmas tree analogy was that the the basic essay, the basic written piece of work is the Christmas tree itself. And the twiddly bits that you chase marks with from the the criteria are the Christmas ornaments that if you buy the baubles without the tree, you can't decorate the tree until you've got the tree. Um, that it's very much that two-stage process. We need to establish the tree, the framework, and then we need to tart it up based on the criteria that we've got. If that is the way you, you are going to approach this, mm. this piece of work. And as Rod rightly says, it's not the only way. It's not necessarily the best way. It may be the best way for you. Mm. So there is a, there is an element, as there is with everything, of making the learning, the criteria, work for you. And to do that, you need to be able to understand them. And criteria, like learning outcomes, like most things in any university handbook, if you go and read the university regulations, are written in 
academic ease, which is uh, a language known only to very few professors that live in ivory towers and have no idea how much a pint of milk costs and things like this. Um, it's so like reading the Lord of the Rings when you get to the obscure poetry bits. Just like that. It is just like that. And so we also wanted to, to talk a bit about how you make sense of learning criteria or marking criteria. Why have I started putting learning in front of it now? <laughs> I repeat for the third time today, because obviously I'm not listening to myself either. Ignore everything I say that goes before criteria. Um, how do you make sense of these criteria? The way I would suggest you do it, and again, this is only a suggestion, is look at the pass mark criteria. So this will be the the 40% line, 50% if you're doing postgraduate and that's your pass mark. You look at that, that is your baseline, that is your minimum, that is the, the least we are expecting from that piece of work. And then you orient yourself relative to that piece of work. So understand what is in that 40% piece of work. And again, there are so many different criteria, there are so many different ways to write them, we can't give a, a huge glossary of, of how to understand the particular language. But typically you, you will see words like, um, you know, demonstrate, appreciate perhaps, um, identify, these sort of, of verb words you will see. And that will give you an idea of what that 40% baseline is. So if we're asking you to demonstrate something, we're expecting you to do it. If you're asking you to appreciate something, then you can make reference to it, but we're not exactly expecting it to be ironclad at this sort of point. And you can you can you can go to it from from there. I realise that's not particularly helpful without having the marking criteria in, in, in front of you. So the next stage is look at the one above. Look at your 40% and look at the one above, because I will bet you any money the next row of against 50%. Let's, let's use 40% as our pass mark. You're looking at the 50% marking assessment slash learning. Ignore those three words, criteria. The 50% criteria. Look at it relative to the 40%, because what you should find is the language is slightly different. So um, if 40% is demonstrate uh, an appropriate understanding of anatomy, let's say, the next one will be demonstrate a sound understanding of anatomy. And the way you get at it is you look at the you try and think what is the difference between appropriate and what is the difference between sound. Sound should generally mean that it is tighter than appropriate. So you can, you were expecting slightly more depth of knowledge there, slightly more detail there. An appropriate is going to be fairly basic. Sound is going to be a bit more intuitive, bit more in depth, bit more intuitive, perhaps. And then you work on it relative to those sorts of things. 
Okay. So are you suggesting that we look at this criteria as a way of clarifying the question? The, yes. The, the two go hand in hand. I, mm. I look at the question, I look at what I think it's asking me, but then I go back to the criteria to check what it actually is asking. Yeah, because the, 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 the criteria, again, if they, if they are written specifically for the piece of work and again we'll come back to generic criteria i think in, in in towards the end should mention exactly what they want you to do the, the the caveat to this is and this is part of the reason why it's difficult to explain without a specific example in front of us is that because marking assessment slash learning criteria have to cover a wide range of possible submissions because remember they are not as prescriptive as a as a scheme for marking the language in them tends to be a bit more open i'm not going to use the word vague because they, it is definite language it is definitely looking for something but it is more open to interpretation so could we argue that that in, encourages originality or it closes it down? I would argue that it should encourage originality. I would counter that with it depends on the person doing the marking. And we're again back to writing for an audience, which we've touched on we before. Are. This is always going to be an issue with any sort of criteria for an assessment is that it is going to be marked by somebody or it's going to be marked by a group of people. Now, if it's marked by a group of people, there will be oversight afterwards. So they'll all be compared. So there shouldn't be any massive differences between the markers and they'll have been training beforehand and the markers will understand the, the criteria from the point of view of the person that's doing the training that will be the, the, the head assessor. Well, that's it. And, and this is one of the reasons we have this criteria within a, a university setting as well, isn't it? It's that transparency, it's that equality of marking amongst markers. It's why we have second marker um, in place as well. Yeah. Why we have sample second marking it is to ensure that we have an equality of standards across it. Yeah, but there is still room for interpretation based on on the person doing doing the marking which is why andy's point about using it in conjunction with the learning outcomes and what the assessment is asking you to do will give you a much stronger idea of how the marker is going to be approaching it than just using the, the criteria on their own and remember you are not going into these blind we don't say here are some marking criteria here here are your criteria here's your assessment here are your learning outcomes go and write this assessment without doing some teaching beforehand and without giving you the opportunity to interact with the teaching team whether that's one person or whether that's multiple person so you will have an idea of what that person marking it is going to be looking for anyway so you can use that to your advantage and I was going to say, the big thing for me is this is the bigger step up to university level is that teacher student isn't them and us. It's us, us and us. It's facilitated learning rather than pedantic, um, not pedantic, didactic, didactic. learning. 
Um, so it's very much engaged with the tutor. Mm. And not not all tutors, but most tutors will be m- more than happy to sit down and talk about learning learning outcomes and, and the, the criteria they're using for assessments with you. And and if they're willing to do that, and if, they, if they're not, then you have to respect that. But if they are, it is worth taking the time to sit down with them if, if you are struggling, or even if you're not, and you just want to know what you're doing. Yeah. And have a chat and make sure you understand the market criteria as they see it, because there's always going to be some sort of interpretation. This is even... More important, I would say, if there are program level criteria. So some programs, so this will be your your degree scheme, undergraduate, postgraduate, whatever it is, will use program level criteria. And these are the criteria that all assessments or all assessments that are appropriate will be using either as they are or they will convert them. They will adapt them for their own particular assessment. And remember, I said that for a particular assessment, the criteria can appear quite vague. Programme criteria can be more so, and they can be more open to interpretation. They're the house style, if you like, aren't they? It is, yes. It's, this is the, the cultural style of this particular programme. It, it, it sets some boundaries. And that's the other thing we haven't talked about, is how the criteria actually set boundaries to what is required in an assessment as well. Mm. Um, so it, it it adds definition to the scope of what you're doing. Um, and again, that sounds counterintuitive when we 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 say things like appreciate and show sound understanding. It sounds very woolly, but it it actually does set a, a very specific boundary. It tells you exactly what we need to know. Mm. And, and, and criteria usually given in a table and you you can take those lines in the table as hard boundaries as well generally speaking um that if you want to hit 50 if you want to want to get a 50 percent mark for a piece of work you need to be at that 50 percent level or higher likewise if if you're 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 you've got one criteria that's at a level below you are not going to be two levels up so let's again let's go back to our 50 percent Thing. If you've got one criteria that's been marked at forty percent level, you are no not going to get a sixty. You are not going to get a high fifty. You're going to be down in the fifty fours, fifty threes, depending on the weightings of those criteria as well. So different criteria can be weighted slightly differently and contribute more. Again, use the assessments to 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 point your way towards those. We won't go into those those any anymore. But yeah, like Andy says, it defines your boundaries very strictly and you know exactly where you particularly in terms of the feedback you know exactly where you are exactly where you want to be and then you can start thinking about how do i go from criterion a to criterion b and and this again this is where we have the the great luxury of um, formative and summative assessments um you can afford to use the the formative to actually establish what the vocabulary means what the show a sound understanding of what mm. the demonstrate an understanding of what 
the programme, what the tutor, what the subject demands to, to hit that threshold. And that that's the value of, again, using your feedback and not just saying, oh, I've, I've, I've got an essay, I've got good feedback. Actually saying, right, I'm going to sit down with my essay, I'm going to sit down with my criteria, I'm going to sit down with my feedback and I'm going to go through and forensically pick it apart. Mm. Um, you don't necessarily need to do that with every single piece of work that you have, but it it's a worthwhile exercise to actually gain an understanding of what is required, where these thresholds are, where the boundaries are, what level you have to hit. Um, and again, it, it, it can feel like a waste of time. It can feel like you're dwelling on what you didn't get. And it's not that at all. It's actually reaffirming that, well, I can do this level without working too hard. Mm. What work do I need to do to take it to the next level? Yeah. And there has to be a process of reflection. And for those of you that have ever met Andy or me, we'll 23 know. minutes it took we'll to know. mention that. We, we, we love a little bit of reflection. Um, it is a process, process of reflection. And like, and like Andy says, it, it, it can be. It can be a negative process. It can be a use to kick yourself. You, you, you can end up in some circumstances saying I worked flat out doing this and this was the best I could get. And generally speaking, the students that do that come to me and say, I worked flat out and I got a 68 or a 72. And that's the best I can get. And they're really despondent. And you kind of want to, although you're not actually allowed to physically hit a student, you kind of want to slap them in the face and go, that is brilliant. But it's because they're, they're, they're too hard on themselves. And too many of you are too hard on yourselves. But that, that's a discussion yeah, for another time. I, I, I think it's probably time to share here that we we have both mystery shopped each other's assessments. Mm -hmm. We have done them. We've had submitted them to be marked. We've looked at the marks and the feedback. And 60s, 70s are absolutely fantastic on an assessment. Mm. They are brilliant. Absolutely. So... This is this is an aside, but don't whatever you get, don't don't kick yourself. Even if even if you worked solidly, because it could be that you just need to look at your work practices and those need changing. Ultimately, although you might not want to hear this, it could be that that's where your ceiling is. And not everyone can get an eighty. Some people in in certain areas can only get a sixty three, for example. But, but again, you'll get sixty. You'll get different marks elsewhere. Everyone's got their strengths. Everyone's got their weaknesses. Yeah. We're working in a healthcare contact context. Mm. We're working in a hands on, people facing um, career. So actually, being able to write things down on paper is only part of what you do. Um, and again. Something that we, we're going to need to talk about in the future is competency and pass-fail assessments mm. um, because they're different, again, um, with a different set of pressures. Yeah, so maybe, maybe that's our, our one for, for next time. Perhaps we'll, we, will, we will see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think... Is there anything else you wanted to add, Andy? I feel like we, we've... No, I, I think we, ground there. we've explored that that quite nicely it certainly clarified my thinking about it mm. um and made me think i want to go back and look at some of my criteria yeah because we're not perfect and 
we set the assignments, we mark the assignments, we write the criteria. We don't actually do the assignments. So your feedback is actually really important for us yeah. as well. You know, if, if you come back to us and say, you know, you wrote the assignment like this, how could I um, get up to the, to the next point? And we'll have that discussion with you. And then we might revise it differently next year to make it clearer how you get to the next point. Or we, we, we might say to ourselves, okay, they couldn't understand the 40% criterion, can I rewrite it to make it clearer? And, and, and I've done that, I've gone through that process of going from very woolly market criteria down to much more specific to the assessment criteria, and it's helped students immensely. I couldn't have done that if I hadn't had feedback from students saying, I couldn't yeah. understand this marking criteria. So yeah, again, it comes back to what Andy said, get that dialogue with your tutors. Most of us, again, I don't want to speak for all of our colleagues, will be very receptive to your feedback. Yeah, most of us are human. As yes. you say, we can't speak for all of us, but most of us are human. No, and 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 we're mentioning no names. I'm I'm sure Andy and I have faces that are leaping to mind, but we're mentioning aliens no names. living amongst us. Yes, or they, they live and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, don't feel like you're on your own with the assessment. No. Yes, assessments are testing your ability. Absolutely, we're testing your ability to meet the learning outcomes. That's not that's not in question. What they are not doing is testing your ability to do them entirely without any support, unless that's the way you want to approach it. And again, that's fine. If you're quite happy doing them without interacting with anybody, without getting the support and, and just seeing how you do on your own, that's fine. We've got no no issue with yeah. that. And um, But we don't want anyone feeling that they can't approach tutors about no. their assessments, providing with the caveat that you're coming to us with the right questions the question of what do i need to do to get a 70 percent isn't very easy for us to answer because we don't no. know where you are at the moment coming to us and saying this is where i am at the moment how do i get to the next step is much more effective because yeah. you you've tried it you've got a baseline for us to work from so think think of it that way as I well my, my my take home message from this is very much the assessments are there for you to use. They're there because we need them. We, we need to rank you. We need to check that you understand that you have knowledge, that you have ability. But they're also there for you to use. And you need to use them to take on board the feedback. You need to use them to ask that question of how do I gain more marks? You need to use them to monitor how you're doing. Some of that is comparing yourself with your peers. Some of it is as a way to engage with your tutor. But whatever you do, actively engage with the assessment process. Use it in a way that suits you. Take the formative assessments and perhaps say, right, I'm actually not going to do any work for this one. I just want to see where I stand with my baseline knowledge as it is. Mm. Um, it's an exercise. I, I Obviously, as a healthcare professional, I'm involved in continuing education, continuing professional development on a fairly regular basis. I take some of them purely as a what do I know at the moment? I fail some of them. 
it tells me a lot more than once I pass. Mm. It tells me I need to know more about this. I need to engage with this subject. There is nothing wrong with that. Formative assessments there for a reason. Yeah. So so do engage with the, with the formative assessments, and I and I I think the 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 note to end on is no matter what the assessment is, you can always learn from it. Yeah. You learn from your approach to it, and I would echo what Andy just said. You can learn a lot more from trying something and not doing it right than doing it right first time. Yeah. Because if you do it right first time, how do you how do you know you'll do it right again the second time? Yeah. Get it wrong first time, you know where you went wrong, and you can get better. Brilliant. So anyway, take care, have yeah. fun, and bother your tutor. Yeah, we'll see you on the other side. <laughs>